Hello, friends, and welcome to episode number 171 of Bat Flips and Maple Dips. That's right, we're still here, we're still alive. <laughs> the dream lives on. Um, it's Patrick here in Halifax, Nova Scotia. He's Justin, the professor, Anderson, Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Justin, uh, we're still in lockout mode. How you feeling? I am feeling actually not good about it. Not good at all. <laughs> well, that's a great start to the episode. Uh, I would agree. It doesn't feel good. We'll get in depth about that today. We've we've got a little bit on the docket. Should be a short episode as opposed to two hours <laughs> talking about prospects. Uh, thanks for checking out those episodes, by the way. Yeah. Uh, and if you like our shenanigans, uh, on Twitter at BFMD Podcast, Run Anchor, Apple, Spotify, Google. Breaker, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Stitcher, TuneIn, and a whole bunch more. Website, bfndpodcast.com. As always, thank you so much for listening. Uh, it has been uh, a very interesting winter for all of us. Uh, mm-hmm. We are very close, I think, to seeing whether or not this season's going to move forward or if it's going to be postponed. It makes me nervous, makes me sweaty. Um, but speaking of sweaty... Justin, it is Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, yeah. So by the time people listen to this, the game might already be over. Um, so in our infinite wisdom, let's make our picks. First of all, um, if you had told me at the beginning of the year that the, the Super Bowl was going to be played between the Rams and the Bengals, I probably would have laughed at you. Um, I think the Rams were definitely the best team in the in the – NFC West, mm-hmm. is it? Yep. Yeah. Um, because uh, Russell Wilson was, was most of the year he was hurt. Um, and San Francisco seems to be up and down. And um, Arizona, I don't know what happened to them, but they imploded spectacularly uh, when it mattered. Um, the Bengals are kind of the Cinderella story. No one expected them to get this far. Joe Burrow is a rookie, right? Mm, technically or not. He played second last year? year. Second year, yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, but I mean, like, he's he's still, like, he's a little, little pumpkin. <laughs> like, he's just a, yeah, a young fella. He's, I don't know. This is, this is a weird matchup. I, what do you have to say about it? Yeah, I have a few things to say. First of all, it's a, it's a home game for the Rams because it's hosted in their stadium in la so home game for them um yeah they're listed as the road team yeah they are listed as the road team because the Bengals finished higher up in the regular season standings but it is still a home game for them (laughs) technically um so um man yeah matthew stafford is the quarterback for the rams love Matthew Stafford. finally got out of detroit got a good team and look what happened made the super bowl and also for the rams cooper cup unreal season one of the best wide receiver seasons of all time the man led me personally to two fantasy championships this year so i uh i'm I'm firmly putting my my backing behind the rams in this game just because i want to see matthew stafford win yeah and and cooper cup deserves it after what he did for me personally this year (laughs) (laughs) well i can tell you Nothing is more interesting to a person than their fantasy football team, and mm. nothing is less interesting than <laughs> <other> somebody <laughs> else's <laughs> than somebody else's 
uh, yeah. fantasy football team. I'm on board with this. I thought the Rams were were better uh, than their previous excursions uh, the last few seasons. Um, they haven't had a hell of a lot of luck. Um, I am on board with uh, L.A. Rams getting the win. I think it'll be uh, not a blowout, but it'll. I think it's going to be a boring Super Bowl. I, think I don't know it's about that. Be, I think it'll be like. 24-14. Mm, I don't know, man. The Bengals are pretty good offense. Like Joe Mixon, Jamar Chase, they're very good. Um, I they think are. It's, but... I think it's gonna be. I don't think it's gonna be a defensive Super Bowl. We might see the first quarter be a little low scoring, but I think it's like gonna be pretty wide open. I don't know, man. The Rams defense is one of the best in the in the league. Probably maybe the best in the league. Right. I don't know. They make me really nervous. That's why I feel like it's going to be a 24. I think they learned their lesson from Super Bowl 50, uh, whatever, 53, when they lost to the Patriots in the the boring bowl, (laughs) 13 to three. Yeah. Maybe the worst Super Bowl in history. Um, And then they just, they were very unlucky uh, and didn't qualify despite going nine and seven in 2019. And then 2020, obviously the Packers, uh beat them up in divisional um i I just think it's serendipitous that the rams win uh the bengals their time will come but i don't think it's right now that's just my thoughts that's my two cents i'm gonna say la la rams 24 bengals 14 book it Lay money down. Don't whatever. Don't. I. This is not a financial advice podcast. Don't <laughs> lay money down. Um, Super Bowl MVP. I think I'm going even further into the serendipity and saying that it will be Matthew Stafford. How do you like that? Cool. I'm going to say 34-31 Rams. Mm. And uh, MVP? MVP is going to be Odell Beckham Jr. I'll go long shot. That's really that's like left left field. Hey man, it's Super Bowl. It is, yeah. It's the. Are you uh, are you watching it with anybody or are you watching it solo? No, I don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, I'll probably watch it. I'll probably watch. I'm honestly, I'm so busy today. I'm probably only going to get to watch like the fourth quarter. Fair is enough. It, it starts. What time does it start? Uh, Seven thirty your time. It's six thirty Eastern kickoff. That is a struggle. Um, <laughs> yeah, those it's a West Coast game, so it's gonna start. Yeah, it's early for them. It's a three thirty kickoff on the West Coast. But uh, there, yeah. the thing is, the the Rams' rush defense is is the key is the X factor. I think for them, it was very strong. Their pass wasn't as strong as what I thought it was. Their overall defense rank was seventeenth in the nfl which is mid middle of the pack middle but it's i think it's better than that um yeah i think it'll come down to uh the rams rush defense versus um the pass defense of the uh cincinnati Bengals because matt stafford is my mvp choice so naturally that just makes sense fair enough okay well let's uh 
we faked our way through that pretty effectively. That's good. We can close the book on that. Mm. Um, also worth mentioning too, not to beat this to death, but uh, the passing defense of the Cincinnati Bengals ranked 26th in yep. the NFL. And Odell so, Beckham Jr. is a deep threat, so that's... that's yeah, it can, might be kismet for you. It might actually work out. Let's move on. Yeah. We're not really a football podcast. <laughs> Before we get to the juicy shit, um, another book closed this week. The Book of Boba Fett. Obviously, hey. we're Star Wars fans here. Um, give me your overall grade for the whole series, and then uh, we'll get into semantics about... 7.5 out of 10. Now, what relative to all other Star Wars lore, where does this land? Well, it, it ends sometime between... I'm just kidding. I'm just going to give it a timeline. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would put Six it... 6 ABY? Yeah. Yeah. I would uh, put it... Hmm. I don't know. It, it's It's in there. It's in the lore. It's, it's it's part of it, and I mean, I feel like it 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 did a lot of a lot more world building for upcoming projects than it just featured. Obviously, Boba Fett was not in one of the episodes at all. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to go into specific yeah. details, just in case people are still waiting to watch it. I don't want to spoil yeah. it for anybody. But seven point five to ten, there were some mm-hmm. cool surprise character appearances in it. Uh, both on the good and the bad side of the of the conflict, you could say. Um, I I thought the the little gang that he recruited to him was kind of out of place. If you know who I'm referencing, I do. I thought that was probably the lamest part of the whole thing. Yeah, they but... they they should have been on Coruscant, not Tatooine. But uh, <laughs> um, but anyway, I thought overall, like, this series did a really good job of kind of tying in and obviously we learned what happened to Boba Fett after episode six and how he got out of the rank or out of the uh, Sarlacc pit. Um, we learned what happened in the power vacuum of Jabba the Hutt dying. So we kind of got some Tatooine politics, which Star Wars just, just can't get rid of Tatooine. It's like that bad romance. Can't just get can't get out of. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, well, and we're going to get more Tatooine in the, at the end of May as well, too, with Kenobi. Um, oh, <laughs> so, good. Yeah, Back to Tatooine just, again. Just can't leave Tatooine, just can't quit it. But uh, no, I, I, I liked it. I, I enjoyed the episodes. The music was great again, as as it has been in every Star Wars project ever. Um, some characters that made the transition from animation to live action. One in particular that was that was great. Uh, the Pike Syndicate as well, making a, making more live action appearances. Yep. Tuscan Raiders getting featured. So overall, I, I thought it was a. I thought it was a good. I thought it was a good series. Seven seven point five out of ten. There were a few episodes that were weaker that didn't do much to move the plot forward, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, but overall, I I really liked the. The ending and and kind of the way they're setting it up for future endeavors of Boba Fett. As I know that we've gone to the Tatooine well so many times at this point that yeah. it's it's a little frustrating because like you want to see other planets, see what's going on. The galaxy isn't just like eight planets, uh, but yet Star Wars would make you think that. <laughs> um, I'll I'll 
I agree with a lot of what you said, but I have some other extra thoughts I do want to share, and I'll keep it brief because we have to talk about baseball. Yes. Uh, my grade is 8.0 out of 10. Uh, I thought it was, as a Star Wars project itself, great. I think the title is extremely misleading. They should have called it something else. Like, uh, instead of the Book of Boba Fett, you could have called it, like, the Sands of Tatooine or something like that. Uh, and not use a character to sort of tell this slightly uh, unconnected story. Um, there is a lot of fan service, which people can people get very, are very particular about how, what, how much fan service they get. Um... Boba Fett's a very, very popular character, despite the fact that he's never done anything interesting up to this point. Um, in, in the in the TV and film, in, in in legends and in comics and things like that, he's done a lot. But yeah, I oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. In shout common to, Star Wars knowledge, <laughs> yeah. Shout out to the Legends book, The Mandalorian Armor. That really that uh, little yeah. that book, and then the subsequent ones really kind of got their hooks in me way back when when they came out it was like 20 years ago yeah agreed but um just to kind of get pivot back to the series itself i greatly liked the story they told with boba fett uh how he got out of the sarlacc pit and what he did with his time afterward i think it really added to the character development i thought the feathering in of an episode dedicated exclusively towards the Mandalorian was a huge misstep. The episode was great and it yeah. could have been a, a fantastic uh, season three, episode so. <laughs> one. Yeah. Um, and then the subsequent episode was more of the same. Um, but, you know, they, they know what they're doing. It's good storytelling. The title was just very, very deceptive. I think if you go into it thinking... The whole thing is about Boba Fett, which I understand why you would. That's what the title is. Uh, you'll be disappointed and you'll find easy ways to criticize it. But as a story itself, I get why they had to sort of do it. And I think it works. And the final episode is terrific. Agreed. It, it mixes together so many different things. You get Spaghetti Western, Monster Movie. Um, God, the showdown uh, at the end yep. of the episode between the debuting uh, live action or the live action debut of a character um, was, was good. And I know people will probably criticize it for a lot of different reasons, but I think it was, I think to keep in mind is like some of that stuff doesn't translate very well on screen. Um, right. Ahsoka certainly does. And yep. I'm really excited for that series. Yep. And I am excited for Kenobi, but I think Kenobi. I would really like it if they would show us other parts of the galaxy that don't have to do with the Skywalkers. That's what makes the Mandalorian so good. Yeah, fair enough. But just stop going back to the Well of Tatooine. There's nothing here. There's nothing for us to... We've hey, man, seen it all. It's an important planet. It's where Anakin is from. It's where yeah. they ended up putting Luke. It's where and... Luke is from, yeah. I mean... You know, it's uh, it's an important place. Um, last thing I'll say about about the whole thing is that 
Um, there is one particular scene in the final episode that features uh, our boys in helmets, and <laughs> it was probably my favorite thing that Star Wars has done in the last yeah. 20 years. That was great. It showed off the uh, prowess of, of those lads in combat, that's for sure. Oh, man, it was just so good. And it's weird, too, because we start off, Mando is kind of chaotic neutral, and by the end of it, you can tell he's, there is like a, he's a killer, but he's also, he doing, has like Doing a, it for the right reasons. <laughs> yeah, he has a code of justice. He's chaotic good. This is the Boba way. Fett, <laughs> Boba Fett starts off as like, a, uh, in, the, in the movies, He's absolutely a chaotic neutral at best, probably chaotic. I would say almost cha- uh, like uh, like a neutral evil. Mm-hmm. He's certainly a bad guy in, in the original trilogy, but uh, after seeing him reappear in The Mandalorian, get his armor back and kind of become an ally of uh, Armando, their relationship is very interesting to me, and I hope they continue to mine that for entertainment because i think there's i'll say this without giving anything away they learn from one another there mm-hmm. is a bond there now that exists as a result of what they have gone through together and it's very interesting let's move on though this is a baseball podcast <laughs> yeah we should talk about baseball we, um, we can't help it though we're nerds we love we are it. nerds there if you didn't know patrick there's a lockout going on right now mm. yeah and it's persisting to be a pain in my ass um yesterday so saturday the 12th of february the union and the mlb owners did get together it was brief but major league baseball presented the mlb players association with a new core economics proposal now this proposal kind of outlined a proposed timeline of kind of when certain things need to happen for the regular season to start on time basically major league baseball is saying that that they need four weeks of preparation so four weeks of spring training in order for the scheduled season opening games to begin that puts us basically in a timeline where we need to have agreement in place by the end of this month so that a full march of spring training can occur and then the season can start now that's a pretty tight window it is the 13th of feb today february only has 28 days that leaves us with about 14 days from tomorrow to the end of the month we're at the halfway point and (laughs) let me tell you it's uh it's getting a little stressful um how do you feel just just patrick initially like do you think that there's going to be an agreement in place by the end of the month or what the issue is how far the owners are willing to go. Yes. The the players appear on the surface level that from what we've seen and what is documented seem to be negotiating in good faith. There's a willingness, but there is also a newfound polarized strength within the union within the pa as far as the rights of the players and 
we're already seeing concessions from MLB's perspective with the implementation of the universal DH, which is now a thing. Um, yeah, RIP, that's, that's, that's going to be in the agreement, whatever it ends up being. Yeah. yeah. So RIP pitchers hitting aside, unless your name is Shohei Otani, you're not hitting anymore. Yeah. Uh, so that's cool. Yeah. Uh, it was inevitable. We saw it when, with the COVID season and it, it, you know, helps reduce his injuries or risk of injury. And it's just all around inevitable decision. I know a lot of people have, uh, spurted the words, fuck the DH on this podcast in the past, but well, it's here now. <laughs> It's here for good. It's here now, and I think it's here for the better because as yeah. you you sent me an infographic this week of pitchers hitting performance, and like Ooh. they've never been league average hitters, they've never been close to league average hitters, and for the last half century they've been below zero WRC plus. They've been negative impact yeah so they went from uh about, <laughs> about 49 or something wasn't it yeah point? it was like around greg at maddox the turn, at the turn of the 1900s <laughs> no but wasn't it like they were like 49 50-ish around the time of greg maddox yeah. and then it went down it like nosedived to like negative 25 now uh so in 1900 pitchers had a 49 wrc plus patrick it hasn't been positive since 1981 is the last time pitchers were above zero WRC plus. They've been a negative contributor offensively since then. Now there have been some pitchers who are decent hitters, like say Madison Bumgarner or is that Granke? Tom Glavin. Or Tom Glavin. But that's three players in like the past 45 years since 1980 that have been like decent everyone else has been absolute dog shit and it's difficult to put up a negative wrc plus trust me kevin or uh kevin biggio and danny jansen tried last year it's tough it's difficult <laughs> yeah yeah it's, uh, um, we're yeah. at we're beyond like socrates burrito levels of yeah like pitchers yeah. can't hit and most of them don't want to they see it as more of a distraction um an injury risk you don't want a pitcher getting hurt not pitching you know it's just so i i mean yeah we don't have to really talk about it too much because it's 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 done now it's going to be a dh everywhere and that's going to allow more players to play for longer it's going to extend the careers of nelson cruz um guys guys yeah. like that who are just absolute bruisers at the plate but can't really defend anymore so it's good for that it'll so, add it'll add to their offensive it's numbers add offense. and that's and yeah. thus really sort of increasing the probability that players will hit uh, those big uh, benchmarks to get into yeah. the Hall of Fame. So guys who are like yeah. floating around. Can you imagine if there had been a universal DH 10 years ago? I mm. think Albert Pujols would already have like 800 home runs. Probably. Because <laughs> he would have just been exclusively a hitter yeah. in Anaheim, probably. He pretty much was for the most part. But yeah, no, I understand what you're yeah. saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But um, I do think that there will be a deal by the end of the month. And I do think that the owners will capitulate first. And the reason why is because 
even though the players need to have money too, the owners are going to start losing money in the millions of dollars yeah. the minute they're not able to televise games. Look, and there is no alternative. The contracts so are there. There, There is a... There is a way for the season to happen without an agreement being in place. So essentially, owners can lift the lockout at any time, Patrick. And this would allow spring training to start on time and baseball would return full. So if the owners do lift the lockout, the U.S. has something called the National Labor Relations Act that requires the two sides to hold good faith negotiations and they would operate under the terms of the old CBA. They would just keep using the current or the, the expired cba but they would have to be negotiating like very frequently like almost daily in order for that to to happen um and they could just start the season now um back in 1995 because we know there was a lockout in in the 1994 1995 seasons the u.s supreme court actually issued uh an injunction against mlb which ended the players strike back then and then sent the two sides back to the table while the sport resumed. And they didn't have a new agreement in place until 1997. So they played for like two full years without a, a, a new CBA. So it is possible that the owners could just be like, yeah, we're lifting the lockout. We'll just play as is. We'll keep negotiating. So like there's, there's doom and gloom out there. But in theory, and in not even in theory, the owners could just say like this week, hey, yep, go to spring training. We lifted the lockout. We're just going to keep negotiating in good faith and play the season out. And hopefully we come up with something kind of mid-year or whatever it ends up being. So there's there's a way that baseball just starts with the status quo in place while they negotiate. Here's why that won't happen. <laughs> I'm with you on that. <laughs> the number, yeah, number one, all the rules that are related to uh, service time yep. as well as the need of the universal DH. Yeah. It needs to be implemented immediately. Yep. There's no way the players would accept going using the old CBA because I don't think there's any going back for them. That's fair. Uh, and like both sides have said they with service time. Yeah, and like both sides have said they don't want to miss baseball games, but they are willing to in order to get a fair agreement. So there's there's really there's no pressure on the players to agree to anything that they don't like now i do think that both sides as we see in the least the early stages of negotiations are being outlandish and ridiculous and they will have to make concessions but they're both starting like you said from a very polarized point of view and they'll have to come together as time goes on yeah, so no agreement in place. Got about two weeks to do so. And that's if we want baseball to start on time. Um, some interesting pieces from the proposed agreement yesterday uh, is that both sides are kind of in agreement that in order to disincentivize service time manipulation, both sides have proposed that teams would receive draft picks if one of their top prospects finishes top three in a in voting for a major award so like rookie of the year cy young mvp things like that um, you'd receive a draft pick or two if your prospects perform well so like for the blue jays vladimir Guerrero jr would be would have been incentivized to bring him up when he was ready and for the full season uh in 2019 same with boba shet obviously he got hurt but you know what i mean 
and then uh, they would have that player finish high up in awards voting and be uh, eligible for some draft picks for the team. So that's an interesting little piece. Um, and and the both sides are proposing increases to minimum salary. The players want it to be just under eight hundred thousand, and MLB is like somewhere within like the six thirty to seven twenty five range. They're not. That's not too bad. Yeah, it's a it's a raise because I think right now it's five hundred thousand. So yeah, no, it's necessary. Yeah, agreed. And the problem is, is that like, did you know that? Did you know Patrick Marsh that minor leaguers are unpaid for spring training? You know no, that? I didn't know that. I, I thought that, that their salaries were fifty-two no. weeks. So. <laughs> they are not. They are only baseball season. Oh, that's frustrating. Mm. I have a lot to say about that topic, but where that's, that's a topic not for another day. <laughs> more that I read about the plight of the minor league player, the more I just I'm annoyed at every MLB team and how they treat their minor leaguers. Agreed. And it's a, it's, it includes Toronto. It's yep. not that much better with Toronto. No, um, every team is doing shitty things to their minor league players. I hate that, and I would like for that to change. And I think the players are probably on board with that too. I just feel like the players are now is the time for them to take a very firm stance. And they, from what I've read, the whole PA is supercharged in their anti-Manfred <laughs> uh, sentiments. And it's really, I think it'll stall negotiations. So I don't know, man. I I do think we will see something by the end of the month. There's still, what, 15 days left? Yeah, counting today. Oh, yeah, so yeah, 15 days left. You're right. But yeah, it's uh, it's bad. Things are, things are not, not ideal in, in baseball world. But uh, that's the update there. Now... We wanted to talk about the Blue Jays for a bit as well, since that is the <laughs> core premise of the podcast. So we've got the depth chart open on Fangraphs, and we're going to look at the Blue Jays' current position. Now they've got 38 people on the 40-man roster right now, so they've got room for two more dudes. And we're going to do two questions today about this. The first one is going to be the biggest need on this roster right now. And the second part is going to be if the season were to start today or on time or whenever, which minor leaguer would be would miss out on a roster spot due to a shortened or lack of spring training. So, Patrick, I'm going to kick it to you first. Biggest hole on the roster right now, and how do we fix it? In my opinion, I think it's left-handed pitching. Um, specifically, pitching. Interesting, okay. Specifically, bullpen. Mm-hmm. You can never have too much bullpen depth. We went in. I'm, you remember the shit show that was the first couple months of the season with uh, a lackluster pen. And when we finally shored it up mid-season, uh, it was it really tightened things up. It was really really good. Uh, our only left-handed relievers that are projected to make the bullpen are Ryan Barucki and Tim Meza. Tim Meza, of course, had a tremendous yeah. comeback season. And odds are that he will continue to maintain a very strong position as our second most valuable reliever. The number one, of course, being closer Jordan Romano. I would like to see us uh, get at least one more left-handed reliever. Uh, I I think we need it. Uh, it can help 
especially if they're able to deal with high leverage situations now yeah so you don't are... you don't think that kirby sneed or taylor sustato can handle that hmm i don't know <laughs> as of right now i'm not convinced but i i don't know fair enough are they still under contract both of them they are both in the minor leagues yes they are is the sauce man a lefty so the sauce man and kirby sneed are both lefties what were their eras last year well kirby sneed pitched only seven innings in, ba in major leagues it was 235 um the sauce man was 456 over 25 innings now no. sneed, sneed had good numbers in buffalo patrick he did, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll credit to Sneed then. a 158 in Buffalo. Yeah, right. Credit to credit Sneed. I do think we need one more lefty. I'm not entirely super confident that both Ryan Barucki and, and Trent Thornton will make this team. Uh, so, yeah. Okay, that's your biggest hole, left-handed relievers? Yeah, isn't that, is that weird? Is that no. a problem? No, that's not. That's 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 a very specific need. <laughs> that's kind of what we were going for here <laughs> yeah all right fair what do you what do you have uh, for me it's a left-handed batter who can play first base oh i fucking knew you were gonna say that and i was like Ugh. the reason being is that if the season were to start today lourdes Grillo jr and kevin biggio are our backup first baseman and obviously those are not their primary positions yeah, um, yeah i don't like that now we don't really have anybody in the system who's a left-hander that can play first base that's Which a problem. It's a problem. Um, and there's really like nobody that we could just easily go get that would be cheap, <laughs> which is the problem. Um, <laughs> Freddie Freeman. <laughs> yeah, Freddie Freeman's a left-handed batter who could play first base. And yeah, that's he's not a backup though. <laughs> we don't need a we don't need a we don't need a starter. But I mean, if we sign Freddie, I hear Freeman, Dan Vogelbach is available. Yeah, what about Rowdy Telez? He's another one. Uh, <laughs> No, I would say realistically, yeah. if we're like fuckery aside, um, there are some less expensive but less <laughs> less valuable players we could look into for backups. Colin yeah. Morin out of Pittsburgh, mm -hmm. um, Jose Martinez from the Mets organization, or well, I guess is he a Met now? I have no I don't idea know. anymore um but he hasn't played he didn't play in 2021 so i don't yeah. know that might not be an option mitch um, moreland mitch, is an option yeah. he is travis shaw is an option i don't know if that's really <laughs> ryan zimmerman is technically not retired yeah i don't uh, see him although, ever not playing for the nationals but uh he was 243 he hit 243 with a 286 obp last year OPS of 757. Yeah. What about a Travis Shaw? Uh... No. <laughs> <laughs> That's a straight up like, uh, no. Yeah. That no. Went, uh... There's not enough N's and O's in the entire solar system to say the word no loud and long enough for <laughs> Travis Shaw. Uh, uh, yeah, that was an interesting player but uh i no, i would man. i he had a decline too he declined even further yeah he was seven seven seventeen ops for us in 2020 659 yeah ops for boston um and that was a boston team that was a wrecking crew for yeah a good so of time. the issue 
with with having this hole is that there's not really a, a good replacement out there. So I think they're more better off suited to bring back a player like a Corey Dickerson, who is left-handed, but does not yeah. play first base because I'm I'm confident enough that Kevin Biggio and Lourdes Guerrero Jr. can play the odd game at first base when Vladdy's DHing because Vladdy's going to play pretty much every day. He did he did this past season. He will again, whether he's on the field every day or just hitting this is DH some days. The Jays aren't going to have the Jays don't have and likely won't have a full time DH. It's going to be a rotation of characters like they did this past year to help give guys legs a little bit of a break from fielding and standing yeah. for three hours. It worked. Yeah, it worked. It worked. And they've got guys like Teoscar and Grichuk and Vladdy who can, or George Springer who can slot in at DH and be still one of the best hitters on the team. So. Um, yeah, assuming, I assume is a question for you. This is a hot yeah. question. This just slid across my desk. <laughs> if you had to choose between Mitch Moreland or Ryan Zimmerman as your uh, backup first baseman slash occasional DH, Mitch Moreland. So bench <laughs> bench player probably not going to play much more than eighty games. Yeah. M- Mitch Moreland, really? Mitch Moreland, easy. I think he'd be cheaper. And I just feel like he's got better knees than Ryan Zimmerman does at this point. Yeah, I feel like the Zim man is probably Dunsky, uh, and Mitch Moreland only cost the Oakland Athletics $2.25 million last year. Yeah. Uh, Zimmerman was only a million uh, for for Washington last year. However, that's a hometown discount. The knee, yeah, the knees are are not not too great. Yeah. Do you really want to invest twenty-two million dollars or thirty million dollars in Frederick Freeman or Anthony Rizzo? No. And they're both at thirty-two. No, I don't think thank so. you. I would do it if if Freeman took like a significant discount, but I don't think he's going anywhere. I think he'll re-sign in Atlanta. I think they're just dragging this out. I think you're right. Um... It is what it is. Let's yeah. talk about the minor leaguer. We think leaguers. is most likely going to miss out on a roster spot. If the season were to start immediately, who gets the shit end of the stick? <laughs> and um, who do you think it is? I'll let you go first. I don't know. I think you're going to hate my answer, but it might be Nate Pearson. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's, um, a, good, I think that's a good pick. But I would say, like, I would say, I do think Nate will probably make the roster uh, out of the pen, but he'll be like five B. As the starter, it'll be strips, and if strips falters at any point, uh, Nate will get feathered in there. But Nate needs—they need to do the Aaron Sanchez thing with him. They need to get him a hundred innings, but not have to force him into uh, dreadful situations. They need to sort of protect his development, and because they've really—they've—they've they've fucked it up so bad at this point that he's not even in the top 100 prospects anymore, is he? I don't know that he's no. as a prospect anymore. It's just yeah. they they fucked up his development. The injuries didn't help, but he just hasn't looked good at all. And I think they really need to get this right. So I would say protect him, put him in the pen. Um, it, that probably means Trent Thornton goes to AAA. But I, even then, I'm not even sure that's going to happen. I think Nate Pearson is probably the answer. Backup answer, I think, is Anthony or not Anthony K. Uh, Thomas Hatch. Hmm. Uh, he did not look hot in his innings, uh, but he has some. He has 
We know what he's capable of. He can. He's a flamethrower. And I think the injury and all that really f fucked him up a lot. And I don't know if there's no spring training. I don't know if he has time to prove himself. Yeah. And then my my backup backup answer is probably one of the guys who is getting a tryout or whatever you want to call it, Malik Smith, probably on the outside looking in. And then um, I don't know if they're where they're at as far as promoting um, Jordan Groshans or Kevin Smith. I don't know. They might miss out too. Yeah, I'll tell you who I think it is. I think that it's going to be uh, Kirby Sneed who misses out. I like Kirby Sneed a lot. We talked about him in the prospect rankings episode a little bit. Yeah. Um, I see I see him as being a guy who I think is better than Ryan Barucki. Um And I think will be on this team longer than Barucki is. Barucki has no options left, so if he falters this year, he's going to get DFA'd. So... Um, that's that's a, that's a thing. Whereas Kirby Sneed has a uh, a full plethora um, of two options left. Um, Trent Thornton has two. That's also worth yeah, saying. Yeah, but Trent Thornton's also not very good. I think that Anthony Castro may unseed Trent Thornton this year. Anthony Castro was really good until he got hurt last season. Yeah, that he's a ground his... ball pitcher, and Trent Thornton yeah. is just a muffin pitcher. So, um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. You're going for the throat today. I'm going okay. for the throat. I, I don't care for Trent Thornton. I think we have to stop looking at what he did, like, whatever, 2016 or whatever the fuck he was a rookie, like, 2018, whatever year it was. It was and, 2019, buddy. Uh, it was yeah, whatever. Years ago. Oh, God, it feels like it was a lot longer than that. But, that's because uh, that year was dog shit. But yeah. I understand. I understand what you're saying. I think we I... need to stop looking at, like, oh, yeah, he was decent for us in 2019 when decent was a, a era just below five yeah what have you done what have you done for me what lately have, nothing is the answer um well okay we don't need to be indelicate about it but, just, yeah. but but yeah you know what i mean but like <laughs> i do yes i really I, I just think that yeah like my answer is is, is kirby sneed just because of this, it ties into the lefty thing that you said when we were talking about biggest holes in the roster i think he can be a guy who can fill that need and if spring training isn't as long as we would like, and most of the, most of the playing time has to go to the presumptive incumbents, if you will, I think that Snead would have to have a really good spring training, and Barucki would have to be like below average to bad in order to lose his opening day roster spot, just because of the recency bias and the view that he was good at one point, just like Trent Thornton was not terrible at one point um <laughs> i would rather have trent thornton on the roster than ryan baraki so if we have I... to choose oh, one man. or the other i would rather have you'd rather if, not if, have the lefty <laughs> if, no, no no no. what i'm saying is if it's gonna happen it'll be kirby you see taking over for ryan baraki and trent thornton stays in the pen until he uh frigs up at which so we'd probably see ryan baraki get designated for assignment uh he won't go anywhere He'll go back to Buffalo, and then Trent Thornton has the option in case he falters too, in which case we can call upon the the powers of if he's in AAA, Nate Pearson. Although again, it's all I waffle really hard on like Nate could make this team, or they might play it safe. He has options, but like there's also other guys waiting in the wings too for an opportunity. Zach Logue is a left-handed pitcher. 
Anthony Kay is a left-handed pitcher, although I don't know if <laughs> I don't know if that's a thing anymore. I don't know. Yeah. Nick, uh, Nick Algeyer is a lefty. Don't forget about him. That's true. I was. I'm. I'm. I'm not. I'm not. Not high on him. That's for sure. Yeah, but... and he has two. He does still have two options. Bowden Francis, although he's a righty, has three options. One of these guys is probably going to replace Trent Thornton at some point in the season if he falters. Yeah. Trent Thornton would have to pitch like his ERA will have to be will have to be below well below four, I think, to restore faith. Ryan Barucki is on an equally short leash, although again with no options, you're kind of I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, man. They need lefties, though. They can't just have one left-handed reliever. You need to have at least two, if not three, and you only have two spots to work with. Is Julian Merriweather dead? Is he resurrected? Uh, I don't know, man. I think uh, he's going to have to have a good spring training. He he could be a guy who misses out. He's got an option left. Um, he does. That's and rough. He wasn't good when he came back, so... Imagine POV, you're Trevor Richards in this situation, and you're laughing because he has no options left, and he had an okay (laughs) season last year. (laughs) But, like, compared to Merriweather, Barucki, and Thornton's numbers from last year, he's just kind of laughing, even though there were some games where he noticeably was not good. Um, It's kind of interesting how he might actually squeeze by into the bullpen without (laughs) much to really brag about yeah and one more thing one more penny for your thought uh if strips does falter as a starter uh and he returns to the pen who (laughs) replaces him is it automatically nate Nate pearson no so that's that's for me like i think that like left-handed batter and and fifth starter insurance are the two biggest needs on this team I'm content to roll with the bullpen and the options that we have, like Sacedo, Sneed, and Castro from the minors to replace guys who falter or get hurt. And But the rotation, I don't think the depth is that great just because of the fact that our depth below Nate Pearson is Zach Logue, Bowden Francis, who have both never pitched in the MLB, um, <laughs> and then Anthony Kay and Thomas Hatch, who have been mediocre as starting pitchers. So, Jeremy Beasley is available. He's a reliever, though. He is listed yes. as both a reliever and a starter. He's a he's a reliever. He is never going to start in in major leagues. Um, I I don't disagree. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. No, he's, if that's he's the thing, the, is he's like, on the roster on the depth chart as a relief pitcher. I think yeah. we're still one pitcher. I still think they're going to sign another starter because yeah. it's not going to be um, a it's not going to be a world beater. It's going to be somebody for depth. It'll be a Steven Matz where it'll be a pleasant surprise. They always seem to do this where they're they okay. they will yeah, sign hopefully. guys and they'll take they'll take a shot at something and it'll work out. But the thing is, there is no spring training this year to for a Steven Matz to work yep. to make it work. So I they might not take a risk and they might just say, Hey Nate Pearson, you're our number six and if anybody gets hurt you have to make the start. And if more than one starter gets injured for any period of time during the season I don't think that we can repeat 91 wins, not with this rotation. Yeah. If we lose either one of Barrios or Gossman for any amount of time this year, we're walking a razor's edge. Steven Matz ain't walking through that door. There is Agreed. no 
there is no backup to the backup. That makes me really nervous. That being said, on paper, our rotation is very strong. I think yeah. Alec Manoa is very underrated. Yeah, we'll see how he follows up his rookie campaign, but uh, I, 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 I like the kid a lot, too. Um, yeah, he's just dominating. Yeah. And he's you know, a, we really he's need... A bulldog. I would love it if we had a flamethrower in the pen, a left-handed flamethrower, and I don't know who that is. That's very niche, but... Yeah. It is very niche, but we need it. Look at all the relievers. You're, you're telling me Yimmy Garcia is going to be the world beater we need him to be? <laughs> I don't yeah. know, man. Hard to say. I'm nervous um, about that. But uh, that that that'll do it for today, I think. Um, <laughs> that's the, we're, we're stretching, we're we're scraping the barrel for some content here, folks. If you haven't told, if you couldn't tell already, yeah. uh, we need some positive developments in in the negotiations, or we'll end up being a minor league podcast this year, talking about the Blue Jays minor league system, which wouldn't be the worst. At least we'll have some baseball to talk about. But uh, that'll do it for today. Remember to like us on uh, Spotify. Apple Podcasts, Google, leave us reviews. They help us out greatly in terms of having, helping more people find the show. Only leave us a good review, though. Don't leave us bad ones. Um, please. <laughs> uh, but follow us on Twitter at BFMD Podcast. You can find our website, bfmdpodcast.com. If you've got content suggestions for how we can fill this baseball, this void that we're entering into, let us know. We're happy to accommodate and do some fan service if need be. Um, but yeah, for Patrick Houghton, Halifax, Justin here in Saskatoon, happy Super Bowl Sunday. We'll see you next time.